Now, fellas, I thought I made it very clear that when we finish these little recording sessions for the podcast, you guys say bananas as a code word to say that you are finished and the job is done. So, with that said, why have I not heard you say bananas? Because that shit is bananas. That it is. Well, howdy, everybody. This is the Inciting Moment podcast. My name is Ian. Who else here is with me? Hi, my name is Sam, and that shit is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. My name is uh, Harrison. I'm blinking three times quickly, two, three times slowly, and then three times quickly. Well, certainly very bananas today, as you can tell. Why bananas? I don't know. And any bananas? other fruit, any other fruits have passed in my book, but not bananas. <laughs> I thought Worst bananas fruit. were a vegetable, so here we are. Well, if you want to know what's really bananas, uh, that would have to be a recent title that was released by From Software, known as Elden Ring, which is making the rounds all over the place with uh, gamers of varying skill levels. I've, uh, I've been told that it's the Dark Souls of Elden Ring games. Is that true? Uh, I, I would hope so, given that it is literally Dark Souls, but bigger. I know <laughs> there are Souls. many people who will want to uh, kill me for saying that, but it's the truth. <laughs> let's, let's not beat around the bush. It's, 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 it's bigger Dark Souls. <laughs> it's Dark Souls sprinkled with Breath of the Wild. Yes. Yes, yes I, I think that is a accurate depiction of uh, what... Elden Ring is when you really boil it down. A lot of trappings from both of those series, which makes sense because uh, From Software, responsible for the uh, Souls games as well as Bloodborne, which, if I'm not mistaken, most of us here have played each of the Soulsborne games. I have played most, except for Bloodborne and uh, Sekiro. Ah, got you. I, I still have yet to play Sekiro. So, kind of. You like Tenchu? Uh, you like Tenchu? Uh, yeah, sure. It's that with Dark Souls. Ah, okay. <laughs> Got you. So even harder. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, neat. Just what I needed. Well, it certainly sounds like on our own time we've had enough experience, at least with the first couple hours of uh, Elden Ring, uh, which does beg the question: What do you guys think of it so far? I really dig it, honestly. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. It The overworld's way bigger than I thought it'd be. Like, it's fucking huge. No, it's 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 just very, very good. I, I really don't know how to describe it. I mean, obviously, I'm not all the way in. I've only defeated one of the quote-unquote four evil demon general lords. But I, I, I really like it. Um, the horse, the horse is okay. I, I like how it makes you go faster and it gives you a little bit more verticality, but at the same time, it's it's not like such a huge change of gameplay. But for a Souls game, I guess you could say it really kind of is. It's, it, there's a lot of new dynamics there. It, it's, it's, it's not really its own experience as much as it's, it's, it's um, Dark Souls Evolved. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I had. So, so for me, I'm kind of in the opposite boat. Where I, my favorite part is just the horse. I'm in a cave, I'll be running from a boss fight, I'm like, wait a second, this cave's big enough for me to summon the horse. I summon and I bum rush at the boss. I would definitely say in terms of, like, uh, horseback combat, it, it kind of 
spices things up a bit every so often because uh, some of my most intense battles have been where I'm fighting a boss or just a large group of enemies and I'm just cleaving through them with like a halberd and stuff like that, you know, timing my strikes and whatnot. And it, uh, it shakes things up because obviously when you're just going from room to room to room using the same slashes and stuff like that, uh, it gets a little repetitive, but with the horse, it, it's like you have this added sense of momentum to everything that you have to take into account with all that. So, I mean, it is a very nice addition, and on one hand, I'm surprised it took this long, but then again, most of the other Souls games are a little more confined when it comes to, like, the areas, so it never fully felt like a horse was necessary. I mean, they did actually have in some of the older Souls games ideas to try to implement a horse. The mm -hmm. problem was just the implementation and how it actually worked with how their models were rigged. Oh. Okay. So that's why there really isn't any horse-mounted enemies in Dark Souls 3, even though you can scrounge around in game files and find evidence that there may have been planted room. Which is why they have the one horse-mounted guy in Sekiro. That kind of adds up now. <laughs> When it comes to, like, gripes, I, I, I mean, I guess the only one I had was um, the, the, the first, like, two hours. It was slightly frustrating because I'm like, okay, so here I am, big open world, uh, those little uh, sites of grace. They're, they're a good indicator of where you go in terms of progressing further. The, the only problem, though, is the first couple hours, you're, 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 you're nothing. Your stats yep. are very low, and if you go certain directions, you are going to come up against a bunch of enemies that uh, you very clearly are not prepared to, <laughs> to Ian, fight you, just yet. Ian, are you talking about uh, ye old checker of vibes, the tree sentinel? Uh, yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good name for him, I like that. <laughs> that is a very fitting name for him. <laughs> Literally, the first enemy you see coming from beyond the beginning area, and uh, you find out upon approaching him, oh, oh, he's a boss. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, you know what? Something I really do like about this uh, new Elden Ring is the just the sheer amount of like mini-bosses you see. I think that's like, a really cool variety to the game that it, it, it was kind of missing in the other one because it's always just like boss, 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 boss. But here you got these cool like halfway mini bosses and it, I think it really adds a lot to, you know, to spice the game up. But I think my favorite addition before we move on to another topic is it's just a better co-op. The fact that you could kind of explore this open world with your friends for basically as long as you want is very, mm -hmm. very cool. Oh, absolutely. It's very they nice. very much improved the... Uh cooperative play mechanics of the game it it's it's probably shaping up to be the best in the series when it comes to cooperative play like even past dark souls 3 and that had like the password system uh implemented oh after bloodborne bloodborne was yeah. the one that had that at first and then three and then they and put whatnot. it when they remade dark souls one but any 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 co-op experience is better than dark souls 2 co-op uh, Please, yes. I, oh, I never, Lord. I never want to experience having to keep your level in check with your friend's levels, so that way you could co-op. That surprises me that when they re-released 
two under the Scholar of the First Sin edition or whatever, that they didn't change that or anything. Yeah, no, they you know? kept it. They kept it all in, and that pisses me off to a level I never thought imaginable. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually can't run 2 on my PC, because 2 is hard capped to 60 FPS, and I am one of the professional gamers who plays with a 30 FPS monitor. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh no, Harrison, why? Can I get an oof because from chat, please? Funny. Look, I bought it on sale, and it's mm -hmm. big. It's like a TV sitting on my desk. It's a large boy. I don't care that uh -huh. it's only in 30 FPS. Uh, I, I mean, uh, you do you, I suppose. It's just, oh, hmm. Okay. Look, Ian, we watch TVs and movies in 24 FPS. Why will I make my gaming such a high FPS I can never go back? Ah, that's true. Not yeah. wrong there. <laughs> mm -hmm. You keep doing you with your professional gamer vibes, I suppose. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, and then I just go all out with, like, a like $600 audio setup. It's quite the mismatch. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, you gotta get them audio levels at the perfect level. If you can't hear your character scream when he dies, what's the point? Exactly. If I can't hear the signature Dark Souls weird male moan every time I get hit in Dark Souls 1, what's the point? Why is that moan so on point? I never understood. <laughs> because that shit is bananas. Uh, Indeed. It's, it's my favorite uh, dynamic use of sound in games, Ian. Oh, is that right? Well, you know, Harrison, it's interesting you uh, bring that up because... Uh, we have a interesting discussion today. So not only were we uh, recommending movies this week for uh, discussion, we decided, hey, let's do a roundtable recommendation in regards to games. Uh, more specifically, games revolving around a particular theme, you know, a particular topic that sort of has a connective tissue between what we pick. And uh, hopefully this is something that we do every so often just for funsies and whatnot, uh, depending on how well it goes. Um, but uh, I decided, hey, why don't we talk about games we find interesting for their dynamic use of its soundtrack? Now, we are, of course, talking just beyond the quality of the soundtrack itself, you know, I, I mean... There's so many soundtracks to games that have stood the test of time because of how well and uh, put together they are and just how the orchestration comes together and whatnot. Even if it's those like really weird synth ones from uh, PlayStation 1 games, mm -hmm. which of course never get old, right? Or the never. really iconic, sharp, shrill beeps of uh, Pokemon Red and Blue. Yeah, <laughs> that's the shit, my guy. Mm -hmm. No, we're we're of a we're of course talking more in regards to how the music is implemented into the game itself. How is it utilized? You know, um, because if there's been one thing that a lot of games, I want to say, past the sixth generation of consoles, uh, the sixth generation consisting of the PS2, GameCube, and original Xbox. 
is that uh, audio programming has obviously improved over the years, and one way that certain developers have um, taken advantage of that is how music cues are implemented depending on what's going on and stuff like that. So we wanted to discuss some games that we thought were interesting in that specific regard. How do they actually, you know, implement the soundtrack itself into what's happening within the game or how the game is built around it, perhaps? Uh, so with that said, uh, how about one of you two guys start us off? Um, I feel like I almost kind of cheated with mine. <laughs> oh? Because <laughs> my choice is, uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Mmm. And it's cheating because the, the, the soundtrack is literally part of the game's mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, which I mean, hey, that that falls into what we're talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. If there are mechanics where it literally implements the soundtrack itself, hey, I mean that that's pretty much what we're talking about here. So, I mean, hey, there we go. No, but Ocarina of Time, how so, Sammy boy? What what the music really does in Ocarina of Time? It, it's more than just a, a mechanic because that's what it is. Because you 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 play a certain song, it does a certain thing. For mm-hmm. example. Uh, Zelda's Lullaby is uh, the main ingredient to unlock a lot of doors in the game. Right. But what else? I, what I really like it does in a subtextual way is, so for te- for every temple, there's a song that corresponds with it. Temple of Shadows has its own song. Fire Temple, blah 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 blah, so on and so forth. But what I really like about it is it, it sets the mood for each temple. You know what I mean? Like the chat, yeah. the, the the Shadow Temple's th- song is dreary and dark because it makes sense. You go to the Shadow Temple, that's not going to be a nice place for it. But it's just... I just love how music's every part of that game. How, you know, you go to the Temple of Time, It's you, you could hear the Song of Time playing in the background. It, it's like each each song corresponding to the temple is put into that temple soundtrack. And it just does a really good job of world building because the whole point of the game is obviously the Ocarina of Time. It's it, the game's literally named after a fucking instrument. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, I, I, like I said, I felt I feel like it's cheating, but I think that's the most like stark and powerful example of a direct correlation between the the, the game itself and the music. Yeah, I mean, cheating would be a rhythm game, in my opinion. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> just, just, a, just a little bit of cheating. Yeah, you know, if you were to say Guitar Hero, well, that that's what <laughs> I'm gonna say. Uh, you. You gotta try a little harder there. <laughs> oh shoot! I gotta yeah, throw right. my example. Oh, oh, oh! But no, that that's mine. Um, how about you guys? I uh, I've went all out. I have three. Oh boy! All for the exact same reason, but all for different reasons as to why, and because I just like combat music. Oh, okay. So my, I'll just go in order real quick. Because we got mm-hmm. we got the classic Skyrim where whatever you go into combat you can hear the da 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 just start playing without uh-huh. fail. I, I think that's like the only combat soundtrack I remember in the entire game, but it only plays when there's combat, so you know whenever you hear it, there's an enemy. Just without fail. So it's okay. It's okay when it comes to that. And then you have mm-hmm. like uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, which has some nice boss songs nice atmospheric ones but every overworld combat is just the exact same track as well in my mind i don't mm-hmm. know how many hours i'm in 
some mm-hmm. 60-ish hours, and I've really only heard one combat song outside of bosses. Neat. But my favorite game when it comes to combat songs is a little gem of a game called Dragon's Dogma. Because, yes, (laughs) such a good game. But in this game, whenever you go into combat, the game will calculate a little math equation in the background and go, okay, well, it looks like you out-level what level we think you would be when you're fighting these enemies, so it's going to play this combat track. But if the enemy outlevels you, it plays a different track. So you could know how winnable a fight is based on the song that queues up outside of specific bosses' unique themes. And you know what? It's funny because obviously I've played a fair share of Dragon's Dogma, and I'm surprised I never noticed that. Yeah, right? Now I just feel like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) and that seems like such a genius mechanic too because that's not even just like a means of like oh hey you're too weak to fight it it could also be viewed as like a thing of like oh hey this is gonna be a real battle where you need to be real careful and if you're willing to go that extra mile and take the risk hey props to you i fought a golem for four in-game days once it's not worth it (laughs) <laughs> oh my god, those things are brutal. Oh, no. <laughs> the last gem was on the bottom of its left foot and I could not hit it. Oh no. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we could have a whole fucking discussion about how great this game is, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a game that uh, I can't help but feel Elden Ring has slightly taken inspiration from. I think yeah. so. The only thing that's really missing would be like a Dragon's Dogma like climbing system. Yeah, yeah. Or the three-minute-long spellcasting of Dragon's Dogma. Hey, the thing is, it's worth it. (laughs) It is. It's so worth it. I mean, (laughs) goddamn. I've seen some of the stuff. You get, like, meteor rain. You get, like, uh, freaking ice shards just bursting from the ground. (laughs) Or my Mm -hmm. favorite, conjuring three tornadoes and killing any single boss that can oh yeah and you know just just conjuring tornadoes willy-nilly that's enough (laughs) as you do (laughs) just thing you can do (laughs) uh but if i were to talk about my pick um it's actually from a game that uh within the last i want to say two years of playing it uh it's a recent favorite of mine Older game, I believe uh, 2003, 2004 was when it came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, of course, talking about the uh, anxiety-inducing uh, majesty that is the soundtrack implementation of Splinter Cell Chaos Theory. <laughs> mm. Now, to really emphasize this, keep in mind, Chaos Theory and Splinter Cell as a franchise is a stealth game, right? Mm-hmm. It's one where you have to be all sneaky-breaky. You need to make sure that you are not found or discovered. Uh, otherwise, you're you're in for one hell of a fight, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've played a handful of the other games. I played the first game, little bit of Pandora Tomorrow. Did not finish it because, well, it's Pandora Tomorrow. Yeah, that sounds about and... right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and then I get to Chaos Theory, and Chaos Theory. Uh, I, I, I was immediately invested in. Uh, not a whole lot of it is terribly different in terms of gameplay. It really comes down to the atmosphere and, in this case, the soundtrack of uh, of the game. More specifically, how it's implemented. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because the way it works is uh, the composer for the game, Amon Tobin, who is a uh, Brazilian electronic music artist that um, prior to the uh, the game, he was mainly just using samples from like much older music sources uh, to mm-hmm. make his own tracks. Uh, Chaos Theory was the one where he began making his own sound assets, a lot of which he recorded either just using normal instruments or using uh, certain objects that you would not expect to be used in a musical capacity. Uh, there was some footage I saw of him recording some of that stuff, and I'm looking at I'm like, what are you even holding, dude? What is that? <laughs> What's going on? It's the gourd of destiny, Ian. Never doubt the gourd of destiny. The door to banana thumb. <laughs> it's just that it's just that easy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he used a banana somewhere in the orchestration. I don't know, man. <laughs> no, but um obviously I can go on all day about like the actual uh orchestration because it's it's not so much the orchestration alone that makes the soundtrack interesting for Chaos Theory. It's how it's implemented, obviously. Uh, and the way it works is that depending on the intensity of the situation, uh, different music stems will be playing in the background as you're sneaking around. So if a guard is suspicious that something's going on, you get a really smooth kind of somber bass riff in the background. You know, it's kind of it's kind of lingering and stuff like that. And uh, what's cool is that the music is also uh, reflective of the environment you're in. So if you're in, like, a uh, scuzzy underground, like, uh, you know, warehouse and stuff like that, that sort of, you know, harsh but still somber-sounding, like, bass rift is playing in the background and stuff like that. Sometimes you might be in a Japanese bathhouse and you'll get some, like, sick-ass taiko drums going in the background Mm -hmm. as you're sneaking around. Uh, And some flutes that are kind of just whizzing all around you and stuff like that. Very fun game to play if you have either some good headphones or a uh, surround sound system. I get you. Uh, But of course, if things go awry and you get caught, or worse, things break out into a full-on firefight, oh lord, you're in for a panic attack, because that's when the music just goes absolutely insane. You have drums in your left ear just going absolutely batshit crazy. You have hi-hats and cymbals and what sounds like glass shattering in your right ear just all over the place as you're frantically trying to run for cover or just shoot whoever's in your way. And of course, because it is a stealth game before an action game, going guns blazing is not easy. (laughs) It isn't, Mm -hmm. you know? So Uh, it's just this compacting level of stress and anxiety that makes for an experience you do not forget when you are done for the day with playing that. You're just like, God, that was... That was scary. And I I guess that's the big thing. It it makes a stealth game seem more like it's borderline horror because of how just terrifying it is at times. Mm -hmm. You know? I throw another. You reminded me of another game. Can I throw another sound suggestion? Oh, did I? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Which is a a non-stealth game that goes full horror. If you've ever played Fear, 
amazing soundtrack in that game. Mm, yes, I would have to agree. I'm familiar with Fear. Uh, Very good one, actually. Just the really calm, quiet music before anything horror happens and just full force hits you. I mean, the, I think the biggest thing really is just... I mean, if Because it took me a really long time to really appreciate how music in a game works. You know, it's something I never really paid attention to until you, you really experience, like, good examples. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because the best kind of music you'll hear and you go, damn, that's good. But the best, best type of music is when you say, damn, that's good, and it adds to the experience. Like, yes. That, like, combat encounters are made better. Being caught is made better or more intense. Or, you know, if it makes you feel something, it's, it's, it's such an add-on. Oh, so. exactly. And that's, like, one of the biggest things to come out of uh, just video game development progressing over the years. It's just... First off, you can have actually orchestrated music put in your game instead of having, like, really weird synth stuff trying to sound like it's orchestrated, you know? Yeah. But then it's also just, like, how it's all cued in. It's just, mm, you can do some crazy stuff with it. Yeah, yeah. So I think good. for me, I really started to appreciate music in games when I heard bad music in game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what would be an example of bad to you? So, have you ever played any sort of platformer game and then you hit a certain level and it's like if i hear this song one more time i'm muting this game i I know listen to this little trumpet go any longer on this rainforest level i swear yeah (laughs) i know what you mean (laughs) i know what you mean harrison and like I don't want to dog on that era of games too much, but, like, there was a lot of that on, like, the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo and sometimes even N64 and whatnot because, uh, when, when, uh, when a track is thrown together just for the sake of being literal noise, y- you can usually tell. Ian, I thought of the best example, and it's the Pokemon Low HP. Uh-oh. <laughs> Yes. Because, uh, like, the simple did it, did it, perfect. You know, do that once. No, we're going to do it the whole thing and also speed up the music. Yes. Oh, wonderful. It's anxiety inducing, but for all the wrong reasons. You know, it's a really good example of just a very stark use of music. What's mm-hmm. that? Uh, Sonic, when you're drowning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that's right. Yes. Perfect. Actually, with Sonic 2, Sonic Adventure 2 has such a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Sonic, Sonic in general has some just absolute fucking baller songs. Like, oh, just absolutely. Walking, I'm walking home in the dark, and I just find myself humming, and I'm like, wait a second. Like, what, what tune is this? Oh, it's Pumpkin Hill again. <laughs> Pumpkin Hill. <laughs> It just creeps back <laughs> into my mind. I can't get rid of it. <laughs> I'm like, I'll call That's someone. They don't answer. And I'm like, ah, no one's going to answer me. And then my mind just goes, I'm just going to creep. And it's like, no, get out of my head. Stop that. Get out of my brain. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too good. Personally, uh, if we're talking just the adventure games, I prefer the first game uh, because it just has a wider variety of music. I think uh, mm. while the second game is is good with its soundtrack, 
I think it just all boils down to rock and um, yeah, baby rap. <laughs> but but you know don't don't you dare call unknown to me. Baby rap <laughs> is a masterpiece. But <laughs> but born on an island will, in the heavens. <laughs> I will always play. Yeah. I will always play two over one because I refuse to play at Big the Cat level one more time. Oh, that's true. I can't. Oh, okay. Look, I can't blame you on that one. It's, it's the thing we all have to suffer through. But, you know, going back to this baby and music thing, I mean, they don't often mix, but I think there's one case in which it really fucking mixes well. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Funny we're talking about dynamic use of music because uh, it just so happens that our movie that we're discussing today does the exact same thing. You can argue it is at the core of how it was made. <laughs> and it's my jam because of it. And yeah. we're talking about the one, the only, Baby Driver. Yes. Picked by Harrison. Now, Harrison, uh, this yep. is a movie that most people have probably already seen, but uh, in case they haven't, can you give us a rundown of the general just premise for it, as well as explain to us why this movie of all, all things right. you have picked? So, yes. So I'll get to why in a moment, but um, basically, it is about a guy who finds himself tied up in the criminal underground who has a very, very deep love of music. Like, it's how he can express his feelings, how he helps himself comprehend situations. There's even parts where he records people saying things to mix it into audio tracks to listen to. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite parts in the very, very beginning of the movie is where the other guy takes too long to get into the car and he has to restart the track. And then they're just telling him to go. And he's like, wait, wait. And then goes when the bass drops. Yup. Uh, love the movie, honestly. It very much is a movie that just kind of came out of nowhere. It it is it. It's a movie I personally love because I myself can comprehend things through music much easier than other stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like I get this character, I understand him, and that's a rare thing for me, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what really drew me in is because I'm a bit of an audiophile. Like, I always need to have something playing in the background, especially music. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's that's why I was really drawn into the movie. Plus, it, it, it's pretty unique in, it, in the way it delivers it. It's got this bumping energy to it. And the music does really just play such a huge part. While it's not a musical, it, it's a, it's in the same vein. It, you, you can't have Baby Driver without music. Oh, that's yes. I'd say it's a musical. I would say it's a musical. You think so? Yeah. No. Cause... Oh, yeah. It has all kinds of music numbers. It's just uh, supplemented, uh, you know, instead of um, characters actually singing the music numbers, they're uh, they're shooting guns and blowing things up. <laughs> yes. And I say God's here's, them. Here's why I say it's a musical. Other characters acknowledge the music. That's one of the things for musicals is you use music to portray conflict to portray character dialogue in a point that isn't just two characters talking to each other you turn a mm. conversation into a song and everyone else treats it as though it was a conversation and baby driver does that it has parts where um they're talking about like which songs 
have their names in them when he's at the laundromat, where they're actively acknowledging songs. And there's the part mm-hmm. where he gets caught after he's always recording what people are saying to him, and they think he's like some spy, and then he just pulls out mixtapes, and he's like, I mix them into songs. Yeah. So, overall thoughts, Ian? Uh, it's great. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's only so many ways I can say it, but like, ooh, it's uh, it's solid. It really, really is. And when I was looking at some of the other things that were coming out at the time, 2017, we had movies like uh, Spider-Man Homecoming coming out, and if I'm not mistaken, this was in the theaters around the same time as it. So it's interesting how it was able to sort of, um, I guess, uh, get past the uh, <laughs> the overall uh, clout of uh, Homecoming and still, you know, find an audience and stuff like that. Which, granted, it's a very crowd-pleasing movie. I have no doubt that it is able to find an audience. It's just very interesting that it had to go up against Spidey Man at the time. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's 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 a rough deal right there. Mm-hmm. Well, thank God it wasn't uh, No Way Home, because, oh, Lord, I think it would have had a problem. Actually, I, I thought of I thought of the perfect way to look at this movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a spiritual successor to Tokyo Drift. Except it's better. <laughs> yes. That's why I say it's a successor, because it's better. In terms of my overall thoughts of the movie, I, obviously, I, I really dug it. I like how unique it is. I like how much you know music is a part of it a part of its like dna i guess my only problem is it's that that first scene it has where it really sets the tone and sets this music part so good that i just don't think it really compares like nothing is as good as that that first scene in my opinion nothing's as bumping as energetic it's all good don't get me wrong but i don't know is that really yeah that part took me in so much that the rest seemed not as mm, you know no i get you it's just they open on such a high note that the other attempts at high notes later on just don't mm-hmm. as they had like much. the drama and yeah like i love the diner scene personally like diner scene is fantastic mm-hmm. yeah i do like the villain it was kind of almost unexpected yep who the villain bit. was gonna be but I, I like how he's like the counter to baby like he uses music in a similar way but it's it's far more negative far more, like antithetical mm. Plus, you know, every actor just kind of fucking nailed it. That really helps a movie when that happens. Most definitely. Uh, one of the last performances from the late and, well, nowadays not so great Kevin Spacey, which if uh, if I had to say something in regards to that little aspect of uh, Baby Driver, I was able to still enjoy not only the movie overall, but his role in particular uh just fine i mean uh the the shit he did aside he is very competent as a actor uh you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie and say that he isn't um but uh there were a few lines where uh, with the context of what he uh <laughs> what he was responsible for like uh oh yeah that's my baby i was just like mm Stop that. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Hindsight's twenty twenty on that shit. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, virtually nothing about Kevin Spacey. Oh, uh, basically, he, he did some pretty shitty shit. I see. Uh, mm-hmm. Including assault and potentially uh, sexually driven um, ah. stuff that 
wasn't so great. So we usually don't see him in anything anymore. No, no. And also why he makes these really ominous uh, little holiday videos where uh, it, it like comes across as slightly threatening, but he's never like seemingly directing it at anybody in particular. But it's highly theorized that he's directing that at his uh, accusers in case they decide to uh, be a little too courageous. Mm-hmm. Which is a little scary. But, that aside, I mean, the cast overall, very solid. Uh, Jamie Foxx was a uh, you-love-to-hate-him kind of character. As uh, bats and whatnot. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear lord, he... He had the task of being a just insufferable asshole, and he did it to such a degree that it's, it's commendable. Uh, I should really see if there's a movie hiring for that type of role. I think I can pull it off. Well, I mean, if we had to start anywhere in terms of nitty gritty, I mean, let's uh, let's talk about probably the not gimmick, but the big stylistic thing about this movie, in that uh, it's basically a, a musical in how it implements its soundtrack, and uh, I'd be interested to hear from you guys why, like, what was the big reason that you think the music was implemented and how it sort of uh, supports the movie on like a, a stylistic level. Because I have my thoughts and they might be the same as yours, but I am curious to know. I have mine and it goes on a weird tangent. Oh, let's start with yours then. So how familiar are you with Japanese street racing? Slightly. Uh, does Tokyo Drift count? Somewhat. <laughs> okay, I'll say somewhat. Uh, uh, initial D, the, a little the, bit. The Tokyo Extreme Racer games is my only other exposure besides um, the, uh, the the Tokyo Drift, and even then, not that much. Just street racing in general. I say Japanese because Initial D was a really big thing, and that kind of pushed oh, a lot yeah. of the genre. <laughs> I know the music, but I've never read it. Yes, street racing in general has heavy ties to certain types of music. Uh, you can even see these ties, think of it like uh, skater culture, but it's its own music that kind of gets tied to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's like a love letter to it. It pulls all the musical notes that are common in both real street racing and heist movies. It's this mm-hmm. mix of mm-hmm. both. It's like a love letter to the genre. So while for things like Initial D, you have Eurovision beats blaring as they're driving quickly <laughs> through city streets, you have yeah. the modern equivalent of it in uh, Baby Driver. Interesting. I think it's really a spiritual successor to Sonic Racing, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> to Sonic R, is uh, that what you're saying, Sam? It, mm-hmm. If they played Can You Feel the Sunshine in Baby Driver, I'd pop off. You know, I'm surprised nobody made, like, a meme edit where it just replaces the soundtrack with Sonic R tracks. I'm I'm honestly surprised. <laughs> Everybody's super Sonic racing. <laughs> we uh, gotta work it out, work it out, talk about it. <laughs> God. Uh, <laughs> I should have picked uh, that. I, I think one of these days we're just going to have an entire discussion about Sonic R and its soundtrack. <laughs> you guys ready for the sequel, Baby Hedgehog? Baby Hedgehog, uh, there we go. Oh, Ian, may I yeah. kindly react 
ask that when we talk about Sonic R, it is a musical as well? Yeah! <laughs> Look, I mean, all I have to do we'll, is play uh, we'll, we'll put together some uh, SoundCloud tracks and then compile them into a podcast episode where we sing our thoughts on Sonic R. It'll be perfect. Shit. It'll be wonderful. This will be the 100th episode anniversary. Mark my words now. I will force mm-hmm. you to do it, Ian. <laughs> you have no choice. Oh yeah, our our uh, our little podcast musical will rival that of uh, Doug Walker's The Wall Review. Shit, put that shit on SoundCloud, Spotify, all the platforms. Nobody will escape it. Some someone's gonna mark it down, Ian, and I want them to remind you, like a countdown, every single podcast, X more podcast till musical. <laughs> Shit. I love it. Um, But no, Sam, continuing off of your thoughts, uh, your thoughts on, uh, I suppose, why the music may be implemented in this way. What what did you get out of it that sort of uh, made you think that? I think it's, it's, like I said, it's interfused with its DNA for multiple reasons. It's a meta thing. It's It's, It's like a story thing. It's a character thing. It's what the movie is based off of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's you can't have Baby's major thing is he needs his music. So when it becomes the main character's biggest thing, it becomes the movie's biggest thing. Because mm-hmm. the movie's called Baby Driver. His name's Baby. He's the main character. He's all about music, so the movie's gonna be all about music. It's yeah. it's so entwined with its DNA that if you took the music out of the, the movie, you can't have the movie. Oh no. All of its, like, energy and pizzazz, it would just be gone. Mm-hmm. So he, I, I think that's the main reason he did it. He wanted, he wanted a movie that was just a combination. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I think it really worked. It was a stylistic thing, and it was a very thematic thing. Oh, yeah. And it just makes for great entertainment as well, like having gunshots and explosions go off and the beat of the, uh, the track playing. Mm-hmm. You know? So it it really is just his vision for the movie. It, it was it, what makes it so unique. Like it's really hard to think of another movie that's like Baby Driver. That's just not an actual musical. You know. You know that's actually a good point. And there might be other films that have done something similar, but I I cannot think of them right now. Baby Driver very much is its own uh, its own beast. You know. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it takes big inspirations from, like, uh, old car chase uh, sequences and stuff like that, which is always neat to see. Because when you really think about it, there haven't been many movies to come out within the last couple of years that, you know, are heavily focused around cars uh, chasing one another or really doing anything that isn't Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Yeah, right. You know, that that whole subgenre of uh, cinema, it's been kind of barren for a while, you know? I, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, we, we watched um, uh, Speed Racer a couple episodes ago, but, I mean, that's a very uh, anime <laughs> and overly stylized uh, example. And plus, I mean, that was also from 2004, so, I mean, that's... Oh, no, not 2004. Sorry, 2008. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. 2008. Um, so it's a little older. You can kind of argue that kind of movie sort of could only come out in that time. But, um, 
Yeah, no, it, it, it very much makes it unique. And if I had to kind of share my thoughts on the uh, dynamic soundtrack usage in the movie, it's very much an extension of what you were saying, Sam. Uh, except it's not only his vision to me, I actually argue it's his world. Literally, the world around him feels like it falls into place in regards to the music. Everything around him just sort of shifts and moves and gets intertwined to the beat of the music because it is mm -hmm. just that ingrained into him. Because um, it's what gives him focus, you know? Uh, mm -hmm. As someone that uh, actually has uh, slight tinnitus, which is something that I, I've kind of had to live with and thankfully have gotten used to and not really deal with on a consistent day-to-day -day basis... Um, when it flares up and gets really insufferable, it is very, very uh, difficult to focus on a lot of stuff and not get a little stressed out because of it and stuff like that. And when you're in a, a criminal underground world like that, it's very difficult not to have that happen, uh, yeah. given that uh, people be dying left and right, which is yeah, something shit. that he's not a big fan of. Which, I mean... It, a little tropey, you know, the the criminal with a heart sort of thing. But I mean, it, it's also just because if if you're good at something, don't do it for free. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how he makes his living. Yeah, I think uh, it, it mainly just comes down to the fact that the music is his world. You know, and everything around him just sort of shifts and moves with the music and stuff like that. Very much like he does. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I do have to ask, uh, did you guys have any, like, gripes with it? Because I only really had one. Yeah, it, I mean, it's basically repeat what I was saying earlier, just that, that beginning seems so good. That it kind of, it, it I feel bad for everything after that. In terms, if there's anything else, I guess, I mean, I guess I'm not a huge fan of, like, the love drama, I guess. I mean, it wasn't I bad. It was tastefully done. I just, I just don't think it, it. I guess it could have been a little bit better. I guess I, I can't really mm -hmm. spec, you know, specify, but I, I think it's evened out. My my whole cup of tea is romance, so it's up my alley. As weird yeah. as it sounds, that it, I I personally love romance films, and a lot of them are awful. I will throw mm -hmm. words and hands about the Notebook. I despise that movie. <laughs> got you so next time i'll recommend the notebook we'll watch it and discuss it and whatnot Shit. ian we're gonna throw hands now <laughs> all right where are we meeting where are we doing this easy killers doing us right out the back of the pub it's a kids program sure let's do this shit yeah yeah send no, us off let's I, do this I, right I, I now thought... <laughs> Easy, we'll do gentlemen. this shit virtually. We'll just punch our screens until they break, and whoever breaks it first wins. We'll take this inside. <laughs> uh, no, but I—I I mean, I thought that the um, the the love relationship. I thought it was tastefully done. Uh, it, it's not necessarily a movie that's directly about it. It's more or less just a uh, a side of uh, baby. Uh, that shows that he wants something a little more than just being a criminal. He doesn't want to keep being a criminal because he just mm -hmm. doesn't like the fact that people get hurt. 
and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, I mean, if we can get into spoilers, I, I will say the scene that at least comes close to matching the quality of the very opening heist scene uh, is the one that goes awry uh, at the uh, the post office. Because uh, that's when uh, Baby's character is put on display, uh, full frontal, if you will, mm. uh, including when he finally has enough of that shit with Bats being a uh, inconsiderate, not really caring for human life asshole, and uh, impales the bastard. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Oh, Lord. <laughs> And then everything after that, much like uh, he is in that moment, he's just exploding. Everything just is. I mean, because um, it, it it's just expertly crafted uh, chase scenes. Really, that's a, that's what it is. Like, there's constant just obstacles that, like, within a matter of seconds, baby has to get himself around, and uh, it just constantly has you on the edge of your seat, wondering, oh crap, how's he gonna get out of that? You know? Yeah, right. Which is interesting because uh, very easily in those situations, uh, it could have had him be a little too perfect at everything and maybe have him be a Gary Stu in some ways. But I never quite thought that was the case because he's skilled, but he still slips up every so often. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, because... Without his music, he he can't keep focus. And there's even that one moment where he steals that one woman's car and is quickly trying to flip through the uh, channels to find something rock-oriented, something that has a driving beat so that he yep. can focus. You know, he's just so uh, compelled by music that he, he can't not drive without it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know. And there's also the scenes, too, that show his general social ineptitude for a lot of things. Oh, absolutely. Like him not mm-hmm. understanding, hey, people wouldn't want to be recorded. <laughs> Which, hey, you know, talking about gripes, I, I do want to address that. I, I thought that if there was any bit of this film that was contrived, I actually thought it was that. I really did. I get it. I really, really, really do. He likes to uh, record people and make his own little audio mixes of that stuff. Yeah, he just wants to be a SoundCloud rapper, you know? Oh, I know, I know. And, I mean, it makes sense. He's super into music and stuff like that. It's just... Mm-hmm. I, I never really got, like, much of a justification as to why spoken conversations was what he uses as, like, sound assets. And when that comes to bite him in the ass, I'm just like, oh, that's that's why he does it. Because you have to have a scene where he uh, he gets caught and he's, you know, being sussed out in the tongue of uh, Amogus players. Did, did I hear Amogus? Uh, you may have. <laughs> Who knows? Is that what we're reviewing next one, Ian? Are we reviewing no! Amogus? No, no. Best know. Among Us clone games. Let's do it. Okay, <laughs> let's yeah. do this. Stop. Among Us movies. We're doing the thing. We're doing. Don't forget to like and thing. subscribe. You're physically hurting me. Shut up. <laughs> now a word from our sponsor, Raid Shadow, Shadow Legends. <laughs> oh no, it's back. <laughs> there are still people who do Raid Shadow Legends uh, ads to this day, and 
I don't think it'll ever stop. Un- unsurprisingly, the comments are just like, bruh. <laughs> bruh. Come on now. I, I, I thought that was the only real contrivance of the plot. Because otherwise, everything else seemed to happen for a reason. I didn't really get caught up in like, yeah, but like, why did that happen? Why not just do this or that or this, that, this or this and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys disagree with the whole recording spoken conversations and making little SoundCloud mixes? I mean, Ian, I'm going to tell you this. Isn't that what we're doing right now? Yes, but we're also not working for a bunch of criminals that could read that the wrong way. Fair. Yet. We don't have that Raid Shadow Legends sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? No, that's true. That's true. Different circumstances. I think that's what I'll just boil it down to. (laughs) Not sure if you guys uh, agree or disagree or really are just indifferent to it, but I thought something else could have been put in place. I'm not sure what, but... Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, I'm really not sure what it really does for the overall plot, aside from very briefly... Oh, no. Actually, it, it, it does reveal that uh, he knows uh, Deborah. Yeah, and no. later on goes and holds her basically hostage at the diner. Yeah, it's it's crucial to his character because he kind of has people he cares about and he'll record them talk just to listen to it for comfort. So that's why he when uh, Deborah picks up his recorder and just kind of sings into it for a bit, he like treasures that. Uh-huh. No, oh, that's true. So, would you guys recommend it? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. This is a perfect example of kind of like how I was talking about uh, with a lot of the movies coming out in 2017. Uh, This just kind of came out of nowhere. You know? It's it's really not, as far as I'm aware of, based on anything. Mm -hmm. Whereas everything else was either, like, based on true events or an adaptation of a book... Yeah. Or a comic book and stuff like that. And, oh, man, let me tell you, I'm surprised that, uh, you know, Baby Driver was able to make a killing at the box office because it had to compete with the biggest film of that year, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. No, 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 don't you, don't you dare. Don't, don't you dare. I only, I have words about that. I have words, Ian. From chat. <laughs> don't don't you dare cite the the unholy text to me. My my written <sighs> review of Shit. that movie is like four pages. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've read that review. It's pretty funny, actually. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I'll go on an angry uh, like eight minute rant if we want to do Valerian <laughs> one of these days. Watch well, me. well, to avoid that, why don't we mosey uh, along with what I was saying? Um. Yeah, this this movie, I mean, it it came out of nowhere, you know. Uh, It's really not a movie that I guess people were really asking for, if that makes any sense. And something I realized is that some of the best movies ever are the movies that just came out of nowhere, you know. Something that just feels fresh and not really like, I don't know, trying to fit like a like a schematic or a formula or it's just trying to be something that already was because I really don't see anything, at least right now, there might be a much smaller movie that I never heard of that does something similar, but I mean, 
there really isn't anything I can think of that is like Baby Driver. So, if I can sum up what you're saying pretty well, try new things, you'll probably like them. Because a lot of new yes. things do different angles that you don't really expect. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what most filmmakers nowadays should try doing. <laughs> Speaking of new things, what are we going to do for next episode, Ian? Well... As it just so happens, given that we've kind of dabbled in it from time to time, we're doing a little bit of an anime episode. And what do you know, since the cycle, or at least at this point the new cycle, has completed itself, it's time for a mega session, baby. Mm-hmm. Driver. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. He was waiting oh, for it the whole episode, wasn't he? Faster than that. No, but we're doing some anime. Uh, and rather than it being, say, a movie or a set of movies, no. Instead, it is actually a uh, one-season anime show. Uh, one that comes from a larger franchise that people have probably likely heard of but may not have actually watched themselves. Who knows? It's actually gotten quite a following within the last couple of years here in the States. But uh, we are diving into the uh, the monolith, the Goliath of uh, mecha anime franchises, that being known as Mobile Suit Gundam. And dear Lord, I have been looking forward to this because... Gundam is up there with Star Wars with some of my favorite fictional franchises of all time. I and uh, naturally, with 40 years of Gundam, it's hard to say which one to discuss without it being long-winded or, um, you know, just very <laughs> draining because of how burnt out you are after just consuming all that, especially yeah. with the schedule we go on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, much like I did... And from the sound of things, much like Sam did, and a lot of people, from what I understand, did, we are going to watch one of the sideshows that isn't necessarily the main plot, per se, but we are watching one of the, the sort of uh, side stories, you know, in the, uh, the heyday of the uh, Gundam franchise, and the one that most people hold in the highest regard, that being Universal Century. And what better Best. way to start that than with the literal equivalent of Space Vietnam, that being Mobile Suit Gundam, the 8th MS team. Now, Ian, if I may ask, right, I uh -huh. have very few, very little exposure to Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh -huh. I have seen, like, four episodes of IBO, uh -huh. and I have seen one old one that I don't know which one it was. But I can boil it down, and you'll probably know exactly which one it is. Oh, it is probably. Where there Apex. is a guy, there's this fancy announcer dude, and then some guy hopping country to country, trying to uh, go to that country's yep. leader into committing it war crimes. It is crime. Mobile Fighter G Gundam. That's mm -hmm. the one. I saw, like, two episodes of that. That's the other one a lot of people saw, and it's funny because, like, when you really look at it in the rest of the franchise, that's, that's the one that... Um, is the least Gundam. <laughs> but it's so funny. It is funny, and it's good. It's just, it's not so much Gundam as it is Dragon Ball Z with robots. It is, and that's what's so good. 
Like him, him kidnapping someone and going, I have stolen your wife. Now tell me where my brother is and fight me. <laughs> uh, and then all the different combatants from each country is like a very on the nose, just visual stereotype. Yeah. Wait, Ian, <laughs> is that the, the one with Is that the one with the tequila Gundam? It is! <laughs> Well, we can, of course, talk a little bit about some of the other Gundam shows that we've either seen or have, like, seen little snippets of here and there on the Mega Session. Yeah, Because I'm open to that, and of course, recommending some other killer shows that uh, I think anyone who wants to get into the franchise should watch. But, that, of course, will come later. Until then, thank you all for tuning in, and take care. Bye-bye. B. Bananas. Bananas, 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 bananas. There. Good for the last couple of episodes. I will, I will not say the word. Bananas. I will never say it. Okay. Okay, there we go. I, I'm going to say it for him. Bananas. There. We're good. Goodbye. Insightful moment. Blah, blah, blah. Usual stick. Adios. Bananas. <laughs>